I do hope that you've had a fantastic week and, of course, Eid Mubarak. Now, welcome to another week where we talk about climate issues in Africa. This is the Africa Climate Podcast, a bi-monthly podcast accessible in all podcast channels. You access your other podcasts from and our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Today, we are talking about access to early warning services and its benefits. Globally... Disasters like storms, floods, droughts, heat waves, and wildfires have become more common and intense. Between 1970 and 2019, more than 11,000 disasters were attributed to weather, climate, and water-related hazards worldwide. This was reported by the World Meteorological Organization, WMO, in a 2021 report on mortality and economic losses from weather, climate, and water extremes. Now, these disasters left over 2 million people dead. It also resulted in economic losses of 3.6 trillion US dollars. I asked Dr. Abubakar Salibabikar, a climate scientist and the WMO Meteorological Infrastructure Technical Coordinator for Africa, who is based in Ethiopia, what the disaster situation is like in Africa. About 80% of the natural disasters worldwide are actually related to weather, climate and water events. For Africa in particular, for the same time period, which is about 50 years from 1970, to 2019, there was about 1,695 disasters recorded, and they caused a unfortunate losses of life, about 731,000 lives lost, and about 38.5 billion in economic damage. Along the same line, there is about 15% of the weather and climate-related disasters worldwide 15% of them actually uh, happen in Africa. But they cause 35% of the associated deaths. So 35% of the global deaths actually uh, happen in Africa and 1% of the, the global economic loss. So this tells you that Africa, the human lives in Africa are really, really vulnerable uh, to, to, to disasters uh, that emerge from weather and climate and water-related events, uh, since we have the, the largest portion of the deaths that happen in Africa. But Abu Bakr, why are human life and economics in Africa so vulnerable to weather, climate and water extremes? About 56% of the people in Africa, they are not covered by early warning system. So, and, and also the report indicated that there is an increase, a relative increase in the number of disasters. And we are expecting climate change to also exacerbate the number and the intensity of weather and climate and water related disasters in the future. So we have two issues here. We have gap, huge gap on early warning, but we have also risk of disasters, the number of disasters increasing in the future. The other element is that early warning system showed some efficiency in the sense that it, it helps in reducing the number of casualties and deaths due to disasters. So, but we have in Africa a huge gap in the coverage of early warning systems to prove the lives and the livelihood of the people against those extremes that need to be filled. What Abu Bakr is explaining is supported by the 2019 Global Commission on Adaptation flagship report, ADAPT Now. Globally, one in every three people 
are still not covered by early warning services. Now, that number is almost twice as high in Africa. Dr. Christopher Trissos is advising African countries to invest in good networks of weather stations for government to improve on their early warning services. Dr. Trissos is a senior researcher at the Africa Climate and Development Initiative at the University of Cape Town in South Africa and an IPCC climate change reports author. Some key areas for research funding in the African context, and this is research funding that has the potential to provide large societal level benefits is investment in weather station networks. So hydrometeorological services. Many African countries have a very small number of actively reporting weather stations. So this is recording things like local temperature and rainfall totals. And without a good network of weather stations, it's very difficult for climate researchers to develop early warning systems, for example, improving weather forecasts to warn people of coming flood risks or heatwave risks. And also it's difficult to link satellite observations with on the ground, ground truthing of weather and climate records so that it improves the ability of researchers to use satellite observations across Africa. Central Africa is an area that has a chronic lack of regularly reporting weather stations. Parts of North Africa also have large data gaps, parts of the Horn of Africa region in places like Somalia, and then certain countries in West Africa. So it's really a pan-African problem. Other countries like South Africa that have a pretty dense network of weather stations, nevertheless, the number of reporting weather stations in countries with a lot of stations like South Africa has been declining over time. When rains delay or come in flash floods, or droughts happen, communities at the forefront of climate change impacts are highly affected. But what happens when these communities receive messages early enough via mobile phone applications? A Kenyan environmental journalist, Wesley Langat, visited Koyat village in Bomet County in Kenya's Rift Valley and filed this story for the Africa Climate Podcast. Agriculture is the main source of income and it contributes food security for rural households in Kenya. But unpredictable weather is posing multiple risks and uncertainties to agricultural food production in the region. Wilson Langat, a small-scale farmer in Pomet County, is using digital solutions to navigate through weather variabilities. Previously, I used to spend a lot of money in farming and end up making losses due to droughts, but now I spend less and make profit because through this app, I'm able to know when there is bad weather. I receive weather updates like when there is droughts, I stop planting. And when there is about to rain, I get all the farm input ready for the planting season. Wilson relies on rain-fed agriculture as the main source of income for his family. He plants maize, potatoes and beans as well as keeping livestock in a five-acre piece of land. When he joined Digifarm in 2017, a product by Safaricom company in Kenya, Langat and other farmers in the village are able to get timely early warning updates about weather patterns. Now he can plan ahead and know when to plan and when to prepare his farm. Apart from weather updates, we get information through our phones about markets, how to handle produce after harvesting, and how to preserve, like moisture content in maize. Also, we are able to know 
when seed and other farm inputs are available in our nearest stores, so you don't waste time and money looking for it. The digital app is not only helping farmers get information about weather, but also strengthening defense against pest and disease as all the farmers have uniform planting season. Daniel Ngat, who is the village Digifarm advisor, explained how digital solution is helping farmers in his location. We are also teaching our farmers on good crop husbandry. Once the farmer started planting, they receive SMS updates on when to start weeding, apply fertilizers, and even pest control. Our field officer also visit them to monitor their progress and give them advice in the field. While farmers are receiving information about the availability of farm inputs, such as fertilizers and seeds, this improves on faster decision-making leading to timely planting and cutting on losses. Elizabeth Mdoko, Customer Experience Lead at each farm, how early warning information is helping farmers. And then you also support them by giving them content on SMS. So we send them content on what they need to do when the weather update. And if you are on the app, you can actually just see on the app itself the weather status for today, for tomorrow. So we have partners uh, with Calro who are able to give us this information. For Wilson and other farmers in the village, it's evident that monitoring weather patterns is important for small-scale farmers as it's helped them mitigate the effects of adverse weather conditions. We already have a weather um, information that we share with our farmers and it's one day before, one day after where they can be able to start preparing in advance. Eh? And then on the app where you can actually access the weather pattern eh? before and going forward in terms of predicting what you can be able to do. With better understanding of weather condition, farmers are able to make informed decisions related to their crop cycle. This helped them in building resilience against the climate change and avoid losses caused by bad weather. Wesley Langat telling us about an integrated mobile platform for digital services helping farmers access early warning services in Kenya. You are listening to the Africa Climate Podcast. You can access this bi-monthly podcast with nearly 100 episodes on Spotify, Google, Apple, our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com, and every other channel you access your podcast from. Do let us know what your thoughts are and what you'd want to listen to using info at africaclimateconversations.com. We are talking about how access to early warning services is critical to healthy ecosystems, safe communities, and productive economies. But Abu Bakr, what exactly are these early warning systems? So when we talk about early warning system, especially in the sense of disaster risk reduction, we talk about four major components. The first one is, is knowledge. You have to understand or to have a, a bit of knowledge for the risk that is facing you. For example, a country uh, like, uh, let's say, Mozambique. And Mozambique is a country lying in the southeastern part of Africa, and it's an, in a region that is usually vulnerable or affected by tropical cyclones. So in, if you are in Mozambique, you would understand the major risk from tropical cyclones. If you are from the Sahelian part, for example, of Africa, 
uh, region, usually arid, dry region. It has one rainy season during the year from June or from July to September. And the risk there is mostly drought. You have one rainy season during the year, three months of uh, fragmented rain. So if that season fell, you are have uh, almost a whole or two years back-to-back without rain, and that is very risky for you. If you are in a region where you have a river running by, you have a risk of flood. So, of course, you understand all the risks that are affecting the area, but according to their priority and the, and the intensity, which one is highest that is affecting you. So this is the first component. We call it knowledge, understanding a risk assessment. Then you have a system for detection. You have to be able to detect and monitor and also forecast the risk that is toward your area. After you have this other second component to able to, to detect and monitor and, and even forecast, then you have to disseminate the information to the users or to the public and in a timely fashion and in the right format to send them uh, the information so people can react and uh, so they, they can protect uh, themselves and they can protect their, their properties against the risk. And overall, before all those components, you need to be prepared. So, for example, an area that is uh, vulnerable to a tropical cyclone, you should put infrastructure or you build your infrastructure, your houses, your road, all the aspect of, of the, the lives and the livelihood around that area in a way that make it resilient against the, the impact, for example, of tropical cyclones. If you are in an area that is vulnerable to drought, maybe you need to think of uh, water harvesting and irrigation and accessing different other sources of water. So you can be also resilient to drought. Unfortunately, sometimes people are warned of expected weather-related disasters ahead of time, but they do not act. Now, to this effect, WMO is encouraging countries globally to adapt the Common Alert Protocol to disseminate and communicate climate risks to communities and other actors. The protocol is a collaborative between the disaster risk community and the global hydrometeorological departments. What is the idea behind the protocol, Abubakar? Sometimes if you have the knowledge, if you have the forecast, but you are not communicating the information in a simple understandable way to the users and to your population, they might not react and they might underestimate the severity of the risk that is coming toward them. And they might not react and in the end and they might lose their lives uh, or li- their livelihood. So for all these reasons, there is protocol that is developed through which you can communicate the information in a clear way and it can be easily absorbed by the users and by the communication channels, for example, by the radio, by the TV, by the social media, and things like that. So this is what is called a common alert protocol. It has a few information. So, for example, the information, when you send information about risk, you have to tell the user from whom this information are coming. For example, you say the information are coming from Kenya Meteorological Department. So that is a trustable source of information. You don't want the information to go just unknown, like as if they are coming from someone in the social media or someone just uh, inventing things. No, it is coming from an authoritative voice. Kenya Meteorological, for example, Department or uh, Ethiopia Meteorological Institution, things like that. So, and then it has to give some description for what is the event expected to come, what are the instructions to the public, what they should do 
in case of this event, they should they leave their houses? Should they just stay indoor? You should tell them also the time frame between which time and date this message is valid or the, the duration of the, the upcoming event. How severe is the event? Is it extreme? Is it moderate? Is it minor? How uh, certain? What are the, the probability of it? So all this information, you package them together on this common alert protocol and you push it to the users. So in this way, they will be able to take the right decision. WMO also advise on what is called impact-based forecasting. So today, users are not only interested in what the weather or what the climate will be, yeah, but they are, they are more interested in what might do or it might do to them, to their lives and livelihood. So when you provide weather, also you provide it impact-based. In the sense, you can say the expected event it might, for example, damage the road. So that is more that is more informative than just you say, for example, 500 millimeter of rainfall or or 100 millimeter of rainfall is expected in the next 24 hours. So what? And the ordinary person might ask, what does it mean to me? But if you tell them 100 millimeter of rainfall is expected in the next 24 hours and it is very likely to damage the road and destroy the bridge connecting this point to the other point, that makes more sense to them and helps them to prepare better. As we speak, African countries have realized the need for early warning services. 88% of those who have submitted their national climate commitments, also known as the Nationally Determined Contribution, or NDCs, under the Paris Agreements have indicated early warning systems and services as necessary for adaptation. However, this is subject to access to funding. To wrap up, I asked Abubakar precisely what benefits both socially and economically, come as a result of investments in early warning systems and services, both for a country's public sector and private sector, and why you as a citizen should demand such services. Disasters have been more common and more frequent, and they are expected to continue in the future. We are seeing now climate change is causing severe events, even in the, the most remote region of the world. For example, recently Antarctica, the southern ocean, the far southern part of the Earth, which is a region very usually very cold, it started to experience extreme events like a heat wave. The temperature recently in one week increased by almost 30 degrees or 40 degrees, something like that. So in, in that order, I don't remember the exact number, but it was a really extreme event. Currently, as we speak today, India and Pakistan and this region is experiencing very severe heat waves and the temperature in Pakistan is expected to reach about 50 degrees Celsius. So this extreme event, as we speak today also, our region of East Africa, the region of East Africa, including Somalia, uh, Somalia, part of Eastern Kenya, and southeastern Ethiopia are going through very severe drought where almost uh, four consecutive uh, season have failed. When you see this, how became very frequent, especially for your audience from Kenya, they probably noticed that in the past years there is frequent occurrence of drought. So these events are becoming frequent and you need to protect your people and the population against a severe event. You need an early warning system. The other strong reason for them is that it is profitable. You make money actually when you invest on early warning system, you make money. 
and you save money. And those two things are very simple. When you invest on a very good early warning system, you have very good, for example, observational network, you're putting more uh, automatic weather stations, you are sharing your data more with, with the globe, that improves the forecast. And better forecast is really good for the economy. It helps a better agricultural production. It helps also with better generally services in your economic system. It helps you with better production of energy. It helps you with better services, transportation, for example, services will run more smoothly. Your agricultural system will run better and it will produce more. Your energy system production will also run smoothly and produce more. So you are going toward better uh, or better performing and better producing economy. The other element is that you protect your economy also against the severe events. You, you reduce the risk of losing economic value. For example, there was a report that between 1997 from the World Bank and 2000, there was two extreme events that Kenya experienced. One of them is severe floods due to a Ninu event and another one, drought. So between those two events in 1997 and 2000, Kenya lost 10% of its GDP just due to those uh, severe events. So you can see if, if you are investing on early warning system and putting very good weather and climate and hydrological services, you increase your productivity and you also reduce the risk of economic damage to your economic system. And there is also in the literature, you can find that $1 invested in preparedness, uh, preparedness against disaster, uh, can save you up to 6 to $7 in recovery. So to avoid heavy penalty recovering from disaster, it is better just to invest $1 uh, on the area of uh, preparedness. And part of the preparedness, of course, early warning system and also very strong uh, infrastructure that is resilient to, to those kind of severe events. The public are also uh, invited also to encourage and maybe demand from their government uh, such kind of investment to be made. You know, private sector also, they are aware that they have a social responsibility toward their communities and that they want to give back. So what if they want to give back for something that is common public good is to support the national meteorological services in, in their countries. Because when you support the national Met and collaborate more with the national Met, you actually also benefit. In return, you as a business, as an investor, you also benefit. If you have an agribusiness, for example, your agribusiness is very vulnerable to weather and climate extremes in the countries. But if you support the national Met services in some way or another, by partnership, by uh, sponsoring the med services in some way or another, you actually receive a return in a better services. And that helps you, your business to produce more and, and helps you to grow. And of course, it has also general social benefit to the overall society. A better weather and climate services will protect the society from extreme events. So it's, it's a win-win-win situation. 
Thank you so much to our guest today, Dr. Abubakar and Dr. Trisus and Wesley Langat. And thank you so much to you for listening. I do hope to see you again soon. Please tell a friend about this bi-monthly podcast available on Spotify, Google, Apple, our website, www.africaclimateconversations and every other channel you access your podcast from. But for now, Kwaheri, my name is Sophie Mbogwa.